We talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. This is episode 28, Doctrine and Covenants 76. Great shall be their reward, and eternal shall be their glory. We're studying it July 5th through the 11th. I cannot even express how much I've been looking forward to this podcast, because I've been studying it, and it's, like, kind of changed me. Like, I feel, I don't know, I've just been amazed at how much I have learned, and just my thought process when I think about eternity, and even just day-to-day stuff, and how it's easy to put that stuff kind of away, and just really think about eternity, and... so excited to talk about it. Um, I remember in college, um, I had a friend that I worked with who was Hindu and he asked me one time <laughs> what we believed about an afterlife because their afterlife is very different from ours, what they believe. But he was curious and I was so grateful that I had listened in all of my lessons <laughs> and been taught. But I can also tell you that when I told him and taught him about our beliefs of the afterlife, the spirit was so strong. And it wasn't me. It was all from the spirit teaching him. I couldn't have come up with all the things that I said. (laughs) Like, I was not... I mean, I feel like I'm a fairly eloquent person, but the spirit spoke through me to my friend. And I I think I've talked about him before on here, but I don't know if I've ever, like, <clears throat> I've never heard if anything ever happened with him. I kind of lost touch with him, and I'm curious if he ever investigated the church more. He ended up going to BYU after I knew him, so I'm curious if he, <laughs> how he did there. Anyway, so this is something that has been exciting for me to learn about this week, and I'm excited to share with you some of the things that I've learned, and might be the best podcast yet. (laughs) All right, so just an intro into what's going on. So I don't know if you've recognized this, but Joseph Smith and Sidney Rickton have been translating, not translating, well, translating, but like, uh... Yeah, translating the um, the Bible. Okay, so they've been going through, and that's where we get, like, Joseph Smith, Matthew, and all the, like, JST notes in the footnotes of the scriptures. So, as they're doing these things, they have received some revelations, because they ask the Lord questions as they're learning. So, this is a good pattern for us as parents, as Latter-day Saints, as um, as we teach our kids the gospel, hopefully we can all see that a really great way to receive revelation is to immerse ourselves in the scriptures, ponder, pray, ask questions, and we will receive the answers. So this is another example of that. So this happened on February 16th, 1832, and um, this was... Um, 
Joseph Smith says in his own words, Upon my return from Amherst Conference, I resumed the translation of the scriptures. From sundry revelations which had been received, it was apparent that many important points touching this, the salvation of man had been taken from the Bible, were lost before it was compiled. It appeared self-evident self from what truths were left that if God rewarded everyone according to the deeds done in the body, the term heaven as intended for the saints' eternal home must include more kingdoms than one. Accordingly, while translating St. John's Gospel, myself and Elder Rigdon saw the following vision. At the time this vision was given, the prophet was translating um, John verse 29. Oh, sorry, chapter 5, verse 29. So I'm going to read it for you just so you know <laughs> where we're coming from. It says, And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And then the translation that they have, so the Joseph Smith translation, and shall come forth they who have done good in the resurrection of the just, and they who have done evil in the resurrection of the unjust. I, um, in the Individuals and Families Manual, it says the vision revealed that heaven is grander and broader than most, than and more inclusive than most people had previously supposed. God is more merciful and just than we can comprehend. And God's children have an eternal destiny more glorious than we can imagine. And then from Wilfred Woodruff, when he read this vision, he said, I felt to love the Lord more than ever before in my life. And that's what I'm feeling this week if, as I've been studying and learning. I'm just overcome with the mercy and the love that our Heavenly Father and Jesus have for us. <laughs> Alright, we'll get into all of this, I'm sure. It will be so good. The first section is called, We Are All Children of God. This is verse 24 from section 76. It says that by him and through him and of him the worlds are and were created, and the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters unto God. That is quoted in the family proclamation. And then President Dallin H. Oaks said in 1995 that if we teach a young person the powerful idea that he or she is a child of God we can give him or her the self-respect and motivation to move against the problems of life so here's a direct quote from his his talk that he gave he says consider the power of the idea taught in our beloved song I am a child of God sung so impressively by the choir at the beginning of this session here's the answer to one of life's great questions who am I I am a child of God with a spirit lineage to heavenly parents. That parentage defines our eternal potential. That powerful idea is a potent antidepressant. It can strengthen each of us to make righteous choices and to seek the best that is within us. Establish in the mind of a young person the powerful idea that he or she is a child of God and you have given self-respect and motivation to move against the problems of life. Isn't that a beautiful and powerful idea to to instill in our children this idea of who they are and they can take that self-respect and that self-worth forth into the world i know it's helped me in my life having that knowledge and i hope as a mom that that is something that my children know as well that i've taught them and and helped them understand so <clears throat> to help kids understand the idea of divine nature you could talk about 
things growing, right? Baby animals grow up to adult animals. Baby kids grow up to adult kids or adults. <laughs> and um, so you can even have a picture of like animals, like baby animals, and then match them to the adults that they grow up to be. You could have uh, you could talk about your kids and show pictures of or pictures of you when you were a baby. Um, you could talk about traits that your kids have that are like you or traits that um, you got from your parents and talk about how you grow up to become like your parent, right? Ducks will grow up and look like ducks because that's what they are, right? So that is part of our divine nature. We are children of Heavenly Father, so we're going to grow up to be like Heavenly Father. And that is what divine nature is. So, we could also read that verse that I read to the children. Bear your testimony that God is our Father and that we can grow to be like our Heavenly Parents. You could also, if your kids don't already know it, sing, uh, teach them I'm a child of God or sing it. There's also, I'm sure you've seen the like sing-along video on the church's website of that one. Um, my kids love to watch those sing-along videos and that's probably their favorite one. So, as you do, I'm a child of God, you can have the kids point to themselves, and you can point to yourself. So when you say, I am a child of God, you point to yourself, and have them point to themselves. You could also replace the word you, and so you could do this as a parent or teacher, and you point to the other kids and say, you are a child of God, as you're singing the song. You could have the kids do that to each other as well, because that's part of what we're talking about, is everyone is a child of God, not just ourselves. In the Individuals and Families Manual, it says some people, including some early church members, objected to the vision in section 76 because it taught that almost everyone would be saved and receive some degree of glory. Their objections may have come in part from a misunderstanding about God and His relationship to us. As you read this revelation, what do you learn about God's character and His plan for His children? I really liked thinking about this and, and putting it in perspective. As I've learned and studied this section, I see how much Heavenly Father wants all of His children to be in Heaven. And most of them will be. The idea of Heaven that most people think of is like one place, right? Heaven or Hell. That's it. But we think of hell as or satan is right and then there's a whole bunch of heaven there's a lot of people in heaven even the terrestrial or the celestial world is still a degree of glory it is still a heaven even though it's not the highest degree of glory those people will be there and heavenly father wants us to be happy and wants us to <clears throat> to return to him ultimately, but we will all be what we're meant to be and um, what we've attained unto. Um, so, moving on to the next section that will also help us understand how the Lord plans for that to happen. Alright, the next section is Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. So, the first question that the manual poses is, what has Jesus Christ done for me? You could write this on a poster, or you could write it on the chalkboard, 
or something and let the children answer it. Or you can just ask it. <clears throat> so if you go to verse 5, it's going to... <coughs> verse 5 will give us some ideas of what we can add to that. Um, so I'm going to read verse 5, 40, 41, 42, and 69. So it says, For thus saith the Lord, I, the Lord, am merciful and gracious unto those who fear me, and delight to honor those who serve me in righteousness and in truth unto the end. And this is the gospel, the glad tidings, which the voice out of the heavens bore record unto us, that he came unto the world, even Jesus, to be crucified for the world, and to bear the sins of the world, and to sanctify the world, and to cleanse it from all unrighteousness, that through him all might be saved, whom the Father had put into his power and made by him. These are they who are just men made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who wrought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. So if we go back to that question, what has Jesus Christ done for me? Well, we learn from those verses that he was crucified. He bore the sins of the world. He sanctified the world. He cleansed the world from unrighteousness. He saved it, saved us. He made. He makes us perfect. He's our mediator, and he uh, fulfilled the atonement. So, <clears throat> the word gospel means good news. The good news... That the gospel brings is that Jesus Christ came into the world to cleanse it from all unrighteousness. So you could introduce that idea or that topic by telling the children some good news. Like, hey, I had good news or I heard this really good news recently, right? So um, as you do that and you share your good news with the kids, then you could say, I know some other good news. Um, you could read those verses to tell them the good news of the gospel, or you could just summarize them and then ask the children how this good news makes them feel. How do you feel knowing that Jesus came to the earth and bore the sins of the world and sanctified the world? How does that make you feel? Um, share with them the joy this good news brings to you. You can also show a picture of Jesus Christ and ask the children if they know what he did for us. This is probably really good for the little kids because it's giving them visual and kind of introducing this topic show the children something dirty and then something clean like a white handkerchief or a sheet of paper explain that sin is like dirt on our spirits but jesus christ came to help us be clean again so in the individuals and families manual it suggests that you could have the kids pretend to write a news headline or like a tweet that they could share that would be the good news of the gospel. So you can make like a little game out of it. And you know you can even give them like a limit on characters. Like if they were writing on Twitter. Or if they were writing a news article or something. Try to give them some ideas of how they could write the headline. Or summarize the good news of the gospel. So that you would share it with people. And be excited about what we have. You could also talk about the third article of faith. You can teach it. Um, one of the ideas for teaching the third article of faith was to leave blanks in place of keywords and have the kids, um, you could pass out the words on pieces of paper so they have to try to f figure out which word goes in which blank. Or you can have them do it and you can erase words as you go and have them uh, see if they still know it. Um, so the third article of faith says, we believe that through the atonement of Christ, 
all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. So ask the children, what does this article of faith teach us? And why does why do we need Jesus? So we know that that's how we're saved, right? There's a video linked to the manual, or you can find it on the church's website, called Why We Need a Savior. It's probably better for older kids, um, but it's it's really good to help us understand, help the kids understand that that's how we can become clean and return to our Heavenly Father. If you want some object lessons that kind of go with like the, the dirty and clean thing. Alright, for this object lesson, you are going to have a few different objects that could you could say, okay, so if I stained my clothes, here's some different ways I could deal with that. So you could have spot treater to try to get the spot out. You could have like markers, like clothing markers, so that you could like decorate it and like make it blend in with the rest of your clothes. You could um, have like a patch so that you can cover the stain, or you could have like wet wipes and try to like wipe it up and clean it off your clothes as best you can. And then you can talk to the kids about how sin is like a stain on our spirit, and the world might try to get us to like cover it up or to kind of blend like make it blend in or try to just wipe it away but it's not going to completely go away and the only way we can do that is through um, Jesus Christ who can remove the stain and remove the sin from our lives so if you wanted to do this you could even have like some scriptures that m go with each of those things so like if you did the patch you could have Doctrine and Covenants 58 verses 42 through 43 if you did the spot treater, you could do Alma 34-33. Um, the Cranston markers, you could do Alma 41 verse 10. Wet wipes, Isaiah 1, 16 through 18. And then if you have bleach, that is what Christ can do for us. Um, another object lesson that I've seen done a lot of times, and you probably have too, is you can put some food coloring in water and talk about how the food coloring represents sin. You can even like, every drop is a different sin. And, um, and then you watch the food coloring spread through the water and it gets really gross looking. And <clears throat> then you can pour in bleach and bleach is repentance and that Jesus can make us clean again. In the Enzyme, in December 2013, it had some ideas. It says, consider using a toy cart or an airplane, boat, or wagon in an object lesson. Use a map and ask the child to move the car from one point on the map to another. Ask what is necessary if the vehicle starts to stray off course. When it's clear that if a vehicle strays, it must be brought back to the right course. Ask how this is like repentance. Explain that sometimes, as we travel through life, we have to change our direction to make sure we are headed the right way. Sometimes we can do this on our own, but sometimes we need help. Ask the children to tell about times when they have helped themselves, times when others have helped them, and ways in which Heavenly Father and Jesus can help them. As you teach this topic, keep in mind that children under the age of eight are not accountable and do not need to repent, but it is valuable for them to learn about the principle of repentance. Those some fun ideas. I have been blown away as I have studied this and been so grateful for my Savior and the opportunity I have to return to my Heavenly Father because I have taken Jesus' name on me. Jesus is the rightful heir of the celestial kingdom. He 
he will inherit all that the Lord has, but he will share that with us because we have his name. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that he's kind of letting me tag along, even though I'm not perfect. And all he asks is that we repent and try to be better. He just always is waiting for us to be there. He's always waiting for us to repent. Uh, I was just talking to my mom about the picture of Christ knocking at the door. And there's no handle. There's no doorknob on the outside. And we have to be the ones to open it. We have to let him in. And I was saying to my mom, I don't think I've ever thought about it until just recently. But if we don't answer the door, Christ doesn't just like, well, I guess he's not home and walk away. No, he stays there. He's always knocking at the door. He knows we're in there. And he won't ever leave. Because he loves us and he wants us to return. And I hope that I can teach my children that. And I can help them understand that no matter how far they've strayed or how many times they've been offered to come to Christ, Christ is still there. He's still waiting for them. And he will always love them. And help them come back when they are ready. And when they are sincerely trying to follow him. I'm grateful for that and I hope that that testimony can come through with my children and I can teach them how much our Savior loves us and wants us to return to him. The next section is studying the scriptures can help me understand the things of God. So this is kind of what I was referring to earlier with the pattern of studying the scriptures and receiving revelation. So, they received this vision while they were pondering the scriptures. We can ask the kids what they, what Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon were doing when they saw the vision. If you haven't already, you can um, teach the kids the story by showing the, um, the story in the book or Doctrine and Covenant stories or... Um, just summarize what was happening so you can help the kids understand the story and what's going on and how they received the vision. If they don't know the answer to what they were doing when they got the vision, you could have them read verses 15 through 19. All right, I'm going to read 15 through 19. It says, For while we were doing the work of translation, which the Lord had appointed unto us, we came to the 29th verse of the 5th chapter of John, which was given unto us as follows. Speaking of the resurrection of the dead, concerning those who shall hear the voice of the Son of Man, and shall come forth, they who have done good in the resurrection of the just, and they who have done evil in the resurrection of the unjust. Now this caused us to marvel, for it was given unto us of the Spirit. And while we meditated upon these things, the Lord touched the eyes of our understandings, and they were opened, and the glory of the Lord shone round about. Isn't that beautiful? Alright, share time when you received inspiration while reading the scriptures and ask the children to talk about the spiritual feelings they have when reading the scriptures. I'm pretty sure I've shared a lot of my experiences, but I've definitely, I've received revelation 
or just impressions um, while reading scriptures about what they mean and how it applies in my life so many times. Um, but I also have had answers to questions that didn't necessarily pertain to exactly what I was reading because I was pondering and, and trying to feel the Lord's will in my life. And when reading the scriptures, those answers came. It's a blessing to have to have the scriptures and have a way for the Lord to speak to us. You can have the children close their eyes and try to perform a task like coloring a picture or say like open your scriptures to Alma 512 and see if they can do it with their eyes closed. Obviously they're not going to be able to do it, right? So you could say what are some other things we can do that are difficult when our eyes are closed spiritually? Think about what it means to not be seeing things spiritually. And then you can read together the verses that I just read. Um, and then some. <laughs> to find out what we need to do to have our eyes open spiritually. So I'm going to read verse 12. So it says, By the power of the Spirit our eyes were opened and our understandings were enlightened, so as to see and understand the things of God. And... Um, then it says you could read verses 15 through 19 again, which I read. And just an idea, like as you're going through these, you can stop and talk about it. So after reading verse 12, how did they receive this revelation? How were their eyes open? Well, they had the spirit and um, because the spirit was there, they were taught by the power of the spirit to understand the scriptures. And then after reading verses 15 through 19, you can talk about how reading the scriptures is a good way to invite the spirit and to give us something to ponder on. And that's what Joseph was doing there, pondering, meditating. And I also really like that they were marveling as they were receiving this. I love that idea of we were marveling. Um, then in, I'm going to read verses four, 114, 115, and 116. It says, But great and marvelous are the works of the Lord, and the mysteries of his kingdom, which he showed unto us, which surpass all understanding in glory, and in might, and in dominion, which he commanded us we should not write, while we were yet in the Spirit, and are not lawful for man to utter. Neither is man capable to make them known, for they are only to be seen and understood by the power of the Holy Spirit which God bestows on those who love him and purify themselves before him. So how, how do we qualify ourselves for this opportunity? Well, we must love the Lord and purify ourselves. We learned back when, um, when we learned about the three witnesses, um, they were not able to receive the vision or the angel Moroni showing them the gold plates until Martin Harris left. Once Martin Harris left, the angel Moroni came and showed himself to the other two, John Whitmer and Oliver Cowdery, and Joseph was there. Um, and then Joseph went and found Martin Harris, and Martin was trying to repent and trying to purify himself before the Lord. And once he did that, they prayed together, and he also got to see angel Moroni in the cold plates. I, I love that. One of the things I love about that story is that the Lord gave Martin multiple chances and he was able to purify himself and receive that revelation. So, how do we purify ourselves? How do we do that? 
And this goes back to the answer of everything, right? The ultimate primary answer is Jesus. Without him, we can't be pure. We can't clean ourselves. That's like we were talking about. We can't just put a patch on and pretend like the sin never happened. We can't like cover it up and try to make it go away ourselves. The only thing that can actually make it go away is our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the only way we can be pure. So we need to rely on him and repent. And then we can have the spirit in our lives and be able to receive guidance from the spirit and from our heavenly father and learn the mysteries of the kingdom all right next section heavenly father wants me to return to live with him forever sorry i'm getting emotional already i'm just so in awe at the lord's plan it's so perfect because he has a way for all of us to return to him, to return to heaven. Everyone has the same opportunity because whether we have the opportunity in this life or in the next, we all have the opportunity to return to him. And we have our agency. We can choose how valiant we want to be. And we can choose whether we want to um, take part in the ordinances that are required for the celestial kingdom. So, uh, I'm excited <laughs> for this section. So, you can start by telling the kids about the three kingdoms of glory. So, if you want to, you can read. It's chapter 26 in Doctrine and Covenant Stories. That's what I was trying to say earlier, but I couldn't find what number it was chapter 26 and it's called the three kingdoms of heaven so you can um, read that to them or show them the video of it on the website or the link in the manual and ask the children what they like about the vision and talk about what what, what happened in it and you can put most of your focus on the celestial kingdom because hopefully that's where we are because that's where heavenly father really wants us to be and help the kids see that as our goal. Um, you could also, as you're te teaching about the three kingdoms of heaven, because it talks about it in here, you can describe them as the sun, the moon, and the stars, right? In the different degrees of glory. And because um, that's how I've always learned it, right? And it kind of helps the kids with the visual thing as well. Um, so... In the July Friend, there's a message from President Eyring about the plan of salvation, which is great if you want to read that as part of your scripture story or, or scripture study this week, or it could be something you do for family night or even just one-on-one -on -one with one of your kids. There's also a little board game on page 24. It's cute because you just kind of move through. You like roll the dice and you move. And the first person that gets on a spot that has like a scripture you just read the scripture and then the second person that gets there, I think you talk about what the scripture means and you're trying to get to the celestial kingdom. So that's kind of a fun way to teach this, um, teach this lesson. And I want to read Doctrine and Covenants 76 verse 62 it says, these shall dwell in the presence of God and his Christ forever and ever. So that verse is 
specifically say like just talking about who is with God and Christ in the celestial kingdom. And you can talk to the kids about, is that you? Are you going to be there? And hopefully the answer is yes. And the, the, um, the activity page this week is Joseph Smith and Signe Redden with like a bubble above their head. So it's, you can like draw their vision. You can tell the children to draw themselves with Heavenly Father. Um, you could also have them just draw that on their own, um, without using the activity page. Just draw a picture of them with Heavenly Father and Jesus in the celestial kingdom. So you could also have the kids and like, you could talk, have a discussion about why, if someone asked you why they should follow Jesus and keep his commandments, what should we say? Well, we could talk about we need to do it so that we can return to him and return to heavenly father because that's what is asked of us to be able to get there the um the answer as to how we do that is we need to receive a testimony of jesus christ we need to believe on his name get baptized keep the commandments receive the holy ghost and then be sealed as a family and uh so that is how we can return to Heavenly Father and Jesus. In the Individuals and Families Manual, it says, How do we receive our testimony of Christ and be valiant in it? Which is from verse 79. So, um, I liked the, the posing this question and talking about it. So, receiving means we take it into ourselves, right? It's not just that we... Um, kind of listen to it or kind of are passive. We internalize it. But I also was thinking again about the picture of Christ knocking at the door. Are we letting him into our lives? And it also says, and be valiant. And I looked at the definition of valiant and it says possessing or showing courage or determination. Are we courageous in our testimonies? Are we determined? Um, I really like that idea of this determination to believe in Jesus Christ and to do what he asks us to do. So it also has the children look through verses 50 through 70 that describes those who will receive eternal life in the celestial kingdom. And that kind of goes back up to what I was saying. It, it talks about those who receive a testimony of Christ, believe on his name, get baptized, keep the commandments, receive the Holy Ghost and are married and sealed for eternity. Um, so you could also have the kids role play the, like if someone asks them why they should follow Jesus and how they can, how they're supposed to follow Jesus, you can have them role play and practice teaching each other that. Um, also, <laughs> you could draw a big picture of the sun like on a poster board or something and cut it into puzzle pieces and then give each kid a piece along with some scripture passages to read. And so then on their puzzle piece, they need to write on the, that part of the sun what they need to do to um, receive eternal life. So going back to the receive a testimony of Christ, believe on his name, get baptized, keep the commandments, receive the Holy Ghost, and be sealed and married for eternity.
and then have them put the puzzle pieces together um, to make the Celestial Kingdom. And I also liked another thing in the Individuals and Families Manual. It suggested that you could work together to find pictures or scriptures or other, like, um, conference talks and stuff that teach and go with the phrases taught that we were just learning about. And as you do that, you could put them on a poster to help remind your family of what you are working towards and what your goals are. So you could find things about testimony of Christ, getting baptized, keeping the commandments, and getting married someday. And I really, really, really liked this from the individual, because I feel like I've been going over this list a few times now, right? But I really liked what this says. It says individuals and families. It says, rather than looking only for a list of things you must do, look for what God has done and is doing to help you become like him. Does reading the vision in this way affect how you feel about your personal efforts? And this idea is why this section has been so powerful for me this week. Because I'm seeing the Lord's efforts and what he has planned for us and what he has done for us and made ready for us. Because he expects us to be there. And he, it's not that hard, honestly. Like, I went over this list, like, we're supposed to believe in Jesus, repent, get baptized. Like, I'm doing these things. And it does talk about being valiant in the testimony. And believing and, and being strong in that. So there are things that I can do to be more valiant and work harder in my testimony of Jesus Christ and to know him better and to take his name upon me in a better way. But I'm grateful that there's always room for improvement. Christ is there to perfect us. He's already suffered. He's already made it possible. And I'm grateful that I was able to take his name upon me so that I can be with him and he can be with me and we can work together to be there. And that the Lord has provided three opportunities for me to be in heaven. And he's provided that opportunity for all of his children. There's very few that will actually not be in heaven that will be with Satan. <clears throat> I also um, really liked there was a couple talks linked in the Individuals and Families Manual. And the first one is called Value Beyond Measure by Joy, D Joy Jones from October 2017. So this is a quote from that talk. Let me point out the need to differentiate between two critical words, worth and worthiness. They are not the same. Spiritual worth means to value ourselves the way Heavenly Father values us, not as the world values us. Our worth was determined before we ever came to this earth. God's love is infinite and it will endure forever. On the other hand, worthiness is achieved through obedience. If we sin, we are less worthy, but we are never worth less. Sorry. So good, right? And then the other talk is, Am I Good Enough? Will I Make It? by Elder J. Devin Cornish from October 2016. And he tells a story of when he was a 
like a first year resident as a doctor and he was just feeling so worthless and he just he felt like he wasn't as good as the other people in the program and he didn't know as much and he was like what am I even doing here right just feeling very down and discouraged but one of the senior residents came when he was at a low point and um, told him how proud the other resident, uh, senior residents were of him and that they all thought he was going to be a great doctor and and um, that really helped him. And he says, as with my own experience, our members often ask, am I good enough as a person or r will I really make it to the celestial kingdom? Of course, there's no such thing as being good enough. None of us could ever earn or deserve our salvation, but it is normal to wonder if we are acceptable before the Lord, which is how I understand these questions. Sometimes when we attend church, we become discouraged even by sincere invitations to improve ourselves. We think silently, I can't do all these things or I will, or I will never be as good as all these people. Perhaps we feel much the same as I did in the hospital that night. Please, my brother, beloved brothers and sisters, we must stop comparing ourselves to others. We torture ourselves needlessly by competing and comparing. We falsely judge our self-worth by the things we do or don't have or by the opinions of others. If we must compare, let us compare how we were in the past to how we are today and even to how we want to be in the future. The only opinion of us that matters is what our Heavenly Father thinks of us. Please sincerely ask Him what He thinks of you. The God in heaven is not a heartless referee looking for any excuse to throw us out of the game. He is our perfectly loving Father who yearns more than anything else to have all of his children come back home and live with him as families forever. And then he quotes Elder Bednar, and he said, Most of us clearly understand that the atonement is for sinners. I am not so sure, however, that we know and understand that the atonement is also for saints. The atonement provides help for us to overcome and avoid bad and to do and become good. It is through the grace of the Lord that individuals receive strength and assistance to do good works that they otherwise would not be able to do. This grace is an enabling power or heavenly help. Each of us desperately needs to qualify for the celestial kingdom. Can I just tell you how grateful I am for the hope that the Lord gives us and for the opportunities and the second chances and the third chances and the thousandth chances that he gives us because I mess up every single day. I am far, far from perfect and I'm grateful that I have a loving Heavenly Father who gives me grace and mercy. But he will also help me as I struggle and stumble along the way. And I'm grateful that as a parent, I'm able to see, see in my children, uh, children of, of our Heavenly Father and how much he loves them because that helps me treat them as children of God. And hopefully we do that with everyone, but I hope that you really immerse yourself in section 76 this week and learn a lot. There's, I've already listened to a couple podcasts on it because people were faster than me getting theirs out. And I feel so moved and so grateful for others' time and talents and knowledge 
and sharing with me and, and the testimonies that we're born and the opportunity that we have to share with each other and hopefully strengthen each other in the gospel. Have a great week. I hope you guys are all enjoying your summer and if you're feeling overwhelmed with teaching your kids the gospel, hopefully you're, you're getting a little bit of confidence and sharing with others and giving hope. So have a fantastic week. I will talk to you next week.